This is Marty. He and his wife Lydia are here visiting us. Um, he is our candidate for associate pastor. They flew in a couple days ago and seeing the sights of Enid. <laughs> I'm happy to report uh, after, was that, did you go to Atwoods? Yes. Where'd you buy the hat? We ended up getting it at Tractor Supply. Tractor Supply. This farm kid couldn't resist buying a cowboy hat. Just so you know. Um, yeah. So I've asked uh, Marty to read our scripture. So grab your Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter 20 and follow along. Oh, yeah. You know what? Let him, let's do that first. Yeah. Introduce yourself. Give us an update on who, who in the world is this Marty kid. All righty. Well, if you're turning to, to Proverbs, you can go ahead and go there because we will end up there. Um, but hello, my name is Marty Clayton. I grew up on the West Coast off uh, in the very green, very wet state of Oregon. Uh, my wife Lydia grew up in southwestern Missouri, uh, Springfield area for any of you that get over uh, towards Baptist Bible College. Uh, we met when I moved to Springfield for Bible College. We met at church. Uh, we were friends, just kind of casual friends for about two years. Um, after my mom met her and went on a, what was supposed to be two-hour coffee date and ended up being a six-hour uh, excursion, um, my mom said that she approved. We uh, started dating a week or two after that, um, got married the day after I graduated college, and um, yeah, so... Uh, I'm, I was born in 94. I know I look very young, so everybody's going to ask how old I am. If you can do the math, you know how old I am. My wife is a couple years younger than I am. Um, we just celebrated seven years. We're looking forward to making that many, many more years. Uh, and for some of you, you may have seen a picture before and you didn't realize it, but I may be familiar to a couple of you. How many of you have ever seen like pictures that said why women live longer than men if so you might have seen this next picture the guy on the left is yours truly if you google why women live longer than men one of the first like four photos that you pull up is probably going to be this picture this was me and um, a gentleman who is now a missionary um, repainting uh, the kids section of the church and we're over top of stairs and it needed to get painted and we didn't have a long enough roller to be able to reach across it is actually braced very well you can't see it but the ladder is actually braced on a ledge up against a metal railing so it was secure it just doesn't look very safe but so um a few of you can say hey i know a guy <laughs> Um, but my wife and I do have four lovely little kids. We do have a fifth one on the way. Um, the next slide gives you just a little bit. Um, so the oldest is standing right next to Lydia. His name's Jeremiah. He is very proudly six and is already talking about his birthday next summer. Um, right next to me, kind of hiding a little bit behind me, is our second, Nathaniel. Um, he is a lovable little kid. Um, he's probably the quietest of the four, but being, you know, four kids under seven, that's, you know, relative. Um, Sophia is our one and only little girl as of right now, um, and she knows how to play it up a little bit. She is uh, 
very much a character, but uh, we love her dearly. And then uh, in that picture, I'm holding little Gideon. Um, he will turn two in December. So this picture doesn't show him quite how he is right now, but this was the best picture that I could get of all of them actually looking at the camera. So uh, we do have uh, one more on the way. Our uh, bun in the oven is due really, really early January. So we'll see it may end up being like December 31st. It may be a brand new New Year's baby, but uh, we're excited to, to welcome the fifth kid to the fold. Um, as I said, I grew up in Oregon. I was very blessed. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my parents were both saved, and they decided very early on that they wanted to pass that, that, that faith on. And so growing up, I got to go to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. Because of that, I was uh, blessed to be saved at a very young age. Um, one Sunday, I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, you know what? I'm hearing all these stories, and I understand that I mess up because I get in trouble every day. Obviously, I'm not good enough to get to heaven, and I need Jesus. And so with the faith of a child, I asked Jesus into my heart, um, and since then, I've felt the call to ministry. A lot of little kids are like, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a policeman. I want to be an astronaut. And ever since I was little, my, my thing was, I want to grow up, and I want to work at a church. I want to be able to be at this place that has meant so much to me, so much to my family, and so... Um, Graduated high school, moved off to college, uh, graduated in four years, found a, a wife who got in trouble with a high school teacher because she wrote an essay on what she wanted to do when she grew up, and she wrote her essay on, I want to be a pastor's wife. And her teacher said, that doesn't count. And with, with a little bit of argument back and forth, eventually uh, she, she ended up getting it okay. But yeah, so um, my lovely wife and I are just super excited um, after I graduated from college, we spent two years uh, at a church up in Ohio. Uh, we had the opportunity to serve at my home church for about a year and a half. And the last three and a half years, we have been down in Florida, um, about an hour north of Orlando. Um, so close to a lot of city stuff, but kind of out in the country. But I've definitely missed the country as attested to by the fact that I now have a cowboy hat again. <laughs> but uh, that's a little bit about us. Uh, we'd love to get a chance to meet you guys a little bit more. We've had a chance to, to get a couple of names. I promise that I will not have all of them memorized today. I am not that good. My wife's the one that's good with names, but uh, we've really enjoyed our time here so far, and we're excited about uh, what God does. So uh, with that, I'll go ahead and encourage you. Go ahead and turn to Proverbs if you're not already there, and we'll read Proverbs chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. The fear of a king is as the roaring of a lion. Whoso provokes him to anger sins against his own soul. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold, therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water but a man of understanding will draw it out. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. The just man walketh in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. A king that sitteth in the throne of judgment scattereth away all evil with his eyes. Who can say, I have made my heart clean, 
I am pure from my sin. Diverse weights and diverse measures, both of them alike are abomination to the Lord. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thy eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. It is not, it is not, saith the buyer, but when he is gone away, then he boasteth. There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Take his garment that is surety for a stranger, and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. Bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. Every purpose is established by counsel, and with good advice make war. He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flatters with his lips. Whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. An inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. Say not, I will, receive, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. Diverse weights are an abomination to the Lord, and a false balance is not good. Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? It is a snare to the man who devoureth that which is holy, and after vows to make inquiry. A wise king scattereth the wicked, and bringeth the wheel over them. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Mercy and truth preserve the king, and his throne is upholden by mercy. The glory of young men is their strength, and the beauty of old men is the gray head. The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Thank you. King's kids, if you're in second grade on down, you are free. Thank you, Marty. There are notes in your bulletin if you want to follow along and fill some notes in along the way. Starting in Proverbs 20 this morning, but we're going to turn to a couple other chapters in Proverbs as well. Thank you for all the uh, condolences and, and prayers for uh, my dad's passing in his memorial service last week. Thank you for thinking of me and my family. Um, I promise uh, I did not plan this sermon on the heels of that. But as it proves to be true, over and over and over again, preach the word, and it hits the mark. Whoa. Proverbs 20, I come to you this morning with a constant warning. Um, and it's a warning about the world, not... This is not just a rant. I'm not on a soapbox against alcohol or drugs or cigarettes. But you got to know, Proverbs hits hard. The words of a father to his kids, trying his very best to warn them, to guide them, to give them a heads up on the things they need to avoid 
in order to be better than their parents. That is a constant theme with most parents. You want better for your kids. You, you just, you, and you wish you could just give it to them. <laughs> but they don't always accept it that easily. So verse one, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Wine is a mocker, what does that mean? It means it can take control and call the shots and make you look like a fool. It can, it will take control if you give it enough if you give into it enough. Wine is a mocker. It will take control of your senses, of your reason, of your abilities. Well, then I'll drink beer then. No, 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 no. Wine is just a simple reference to alcohol. Strong drink is a brawler. What does that mean? It means it fights against wisdom. This whole book is a contrast between the wise thing and the foolish thing. Wine, strong drink is set up as the foolish thing. It fights against the natural course of growing in wisdom, which means it fights against the fear of the Lord. Whoever is led astray by it, the Bible says, Wait, just, for, do we need to prove that part? Do we need to prove that alcohol can lead you astray? Does anybody need evidence of that? No, you're good on that one? We know that, right? We know that. It's a natural. Whoever is led astray by alcohol is not wise. That's, that's the easy part. Oh, uh, reminder, according to Proverbs, what is the way of wisdom, somebody? Heard over here, over here. The fear of the Lord, that's, that's the way to wisdom. Yeah, we know that. So anything that leads you astray from wisdom anything that controls you, anything that manipulates you, anything that mocks you, anything that fights against wisdom growing in your life, anything that leads you astray, next blank, anything that controls you is an idol. It's an idol in your life. The same as anger. If you are a person given to fits of rage and frustration, anger is an idol. Lust, if you are a person who just can't stop lusting, thinking sexual thoughts about other people. It is an idol in your life. If you're somebody who just can't stop thinking about yourself, how you look, how you portray yourself, how did I sound, how did I come across, then your self-image is an idol in your life. There are lots of things that can be idols in our lives. Eating disorders, how we handle food, bitterness, how we handle strained relationships, Loneliness, revenge, covetousness, alcohol, tobacco. I'm getting personal here. Ice cream and Oreos, sugar, frappuccinos. How we handle wealth, 
how we handle sex, how we handle fame. Have I mentioned anything yet you struggle with? This is not just a warning about alcohol. It's about anything that controls you. How do we know something controls you? We can't stop. We can't put it down. We can't stop thinking about it even when we do put it down. And we come back to it around and around and around like a dog returning to its. We know it just came out. We know it's not nutritious. We know it's not best for us. But we scroll anyway. We swipe anyway. We feed anyway. We inject. We drink. We smoke anyway. So many things that we know are damaging to ourselves. You do really think that there's somebody out there smoking who doesn't know it's bad? The Surgeon General of the United States of America has made it like his mission. (laughs) It's stamped everywhere. Everybody knows it's bad, but we do it anyway because anything that controls us is an idol. So, parallel to that, the next line, Anything controlling you is competing with Yahweh. I use his Old Testament name because I think Proverbs would approve. Proverbs is trying to impress it upon a younger generation that your allegiance to God needs to be primary because if it's not, something is gonna get you. Something will Get you. It may not be what your parents struggle with. It probably will be. It may not be what your siblings struggle with, but it probably will be. It may not be, yeah, it'll be something everybody struggles with. There's no temptation that's going to assault you except such as is common among all of humanity. God provides a way of escape. He provides a way of escape. He gives you the capacity with his spirit to say no to sin. That verse does not say he will forever give you the way of escape. You may not be able to get divine intervention on the 10th drink, on the 10th marriage, There comes a point where sometimes God lets us crash, bottom out, and suffer some pretty terrible consequences for the things we've done. But if we could rewind your life, I guarantee you there was a moment where you could have escaped, where you could have said no, and you could have have walked away unscarred, unhurt, unaffected. Anything that is controlling you. This, that's why all addictions are also a spiritual problem. All of them. We're, we're not just spiritual beings or just physical beings. Right, Eric? We're both. The science and the spirit, they, they work together. We do have a lot of things we don't understand about ourselves. I'm going to lean on the side of it's 
because we're not tapping into the Spirit of God to lead us to be the children of God in ways that completely always honor God the Father. So here's the book of Proverbs putting it in our face, whether it's food, anger, bitterness, self-image, alcohol, tobacco. Um, When we talk about the fear of the Lord, the next slide, to fear the Lord is to surrender everything to God. Not just the big stuff, not just your soul, not just your calling, not just I'm going to marry a Christian man or woman, not just your spouse, not just your kids. I'm going to dedicate my kids to the Lord. What about the next meal? What about the next drink? What about the next outfit? What about the next snack? What about the next job? What about the next task? I get the impression in the Bible that we are a people who do everything to the Lord. Do you get that vibe when the Bible is talking? I mean, is that just is that just spiritual talk? Is that just Christianese? We just say that everything unto the Lord, or is that the way it really should be? I think that's the way it should be. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. And this is why we need Jesus to save us, <laughs> save us from ourselves to save us from the world, to save us from the accusations of our great enemy, the devil. All of it. Jesus is our only hope. So to fear the Lord is to surrender everything to God. Jesus is our savior precisely because he saves us from ourselves. Turn a couple chapters over to Proverbs 23. I'm not going backwards today. We have read a lot of verses about warning us against drunkenness, warning us against um, debauchery and the like. Uh, And Proverbs 23, covering it today so I don't have to cover it when we do Proverbs 23. See, that's working. I'm kind of taking a theme in one chapter and we're hitting a bunch of it because it's everywhere. Um, Proverbs 23, verses 20 and 21. Be not among drunkards, or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them both with rags. Be not among drunkards. Probably shouldn't go into bars. Be not among gluttonous eaters of meat. Probably shouldn't go to buffets. That makes me laugh too except at how true it is. You'd be hard-pressed to find a Baptist who will go sin in a bar, but you don't have to look far. To, you wait about 30 minutes, and that second part's going to be true. A lot of places. Um, because we as a people avoid certain sins, we are not better than those who are not avoiding other sins. We pick our poison carefully. Be careful, be careful. This is not primarily about sins. The next blank is, this is about lack of control and lack of restraint, and I am so glad Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, put verses 20 and 21 together because it makes it really clear He's not against alcoholics. He's against addicts. 
He's against people who have no self-control, whatever it is. It's covering food and drink here. That's always been one of humanity's great weaknesses. We want to live lives of excess. We know, if a, we think, if a little's good, Costco's better. Isn't that what Costco is all about? Get more for your buck. Because you need it. You want it. It's better for you. We, we say, well, it's saving me money. It ain't saving you money if it's putting you in the hospital or the grave sooner. It, it, it's costing you something. Costco, costing you your life. That wouldn't be a popular byline on their, <laughs> on their ads, but I'm, I'm going to market that one. I might copyright that. Costing you your life. Ah, but yeah, this is about lack of control, lack of restraint. And look a little deeper into Proverbs 23. I'm going to read verses 29 through 35. Woe, who has sorrow, who has strife, who has complaining, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will see strange things, your heart utter perverse things. You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on top of a mast. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. This language absolutely triggers me. Every line of that passage flashes me back to an episode with parents with aunts, with uncles, with grandparents. This is true. This is not made up. Solomon didn't have to think, I wonder what it's like. He knew. I know that he knew because what he wrote there is real. I have seen it. I have experienced it. In the end, it bites like a snake. It stings like a cobra. Your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things. And on top of all that, you're gonna say, it didn't hurt me. Give me another drink. While you're bleeding, while you're dying, while you're killing yourself. To hear an alcoholic ask for another drink just crushes me. And it's not the alcoholism or the drinking that really weighs on me. Next blank. It's the worldly responses that people take. Because all drinking is is a response to something. I had a hard day. It's a response to I had a great day. It's trying to find a way to, to, to cope with life, the highs and the lows, when we're down or when we're up. Like, 
That's crazy to me. And it's not just alcohol. Everything that we do to a sinful extent shows that our coping skills are not trusting in the Lord. How do we relieve woe and sorrow? How do we smooth out strife and complaining? How do we not multiply wounds that make us cry even more? What do we do then? What do we do then, God? If I'm hurting, what do I do? If I can't be a drunk, what do I do? How am I supposed to respond to the difficult pressures of life? Why is alcohol so dangerous and yet it's so tempting? Why'd you make it good? God made all things. I can enjoy all things. Why can't I do it? Well, David warns Solomon. Solomon warns his kids. And even a mother warns her son. Turn to Proverbs 31. David warned Solomon. Solomon's warning his sons. Proverbs 31 is not written by Solomon, but it was put into the Bible because it is biblical wisdom that can help all of us. And it says in verse one, the words of King Lemuel. Well, we don't know who he is, but he didn't even write, he wrote these things down, but he didn't make these things up. It says the next line, an oracle that his mother taught him. All right, time out. If mama got to talk about it, we probably have a problem. A mother who knows her son is going to be the king, and she has some words of advice. Now, when we get to Proverbs 31 and the due course of time, we are going to cover verses 10 onward, the excellent woman, but, which is the familiar part of Proverbs 31, right? But listen to what she says Listen to what this mom says to her son in verses one through nine. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. First warning, guard your sexuality. This is, this is a lesson for another day. But live within biblical limits. Shoot it. There we go. So first lesson there. First, and she didn't make any mistakes here. First thing she warned her son about, careful how you handle your sexuality. Don't give it away and it can destroy you. That's verse three. Second warning. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Second warning. If you want to lead well, my son, don't drink at all. Don't even drink. You can't lead well. You're gonna forget what you've already said. You're gonna pervert the rights of the afflicted. And those are things God cares about. You wanna lead your very, very best. You wanna give your family their, your very, very best. You wanna lead well, then remember, not just alcohol. Don't let anything cloud your judgment. Don't let anything put you into a coma where you can't watch your kids. Don't let anything make you so high you don't know what's going on in reality. Don't 
lose control. But it's not about control, Proverbs. It's about give control to the Lord in your life. The fear of the Lord. It's about surrendering yourself to God so that he is in control of you. I think we, we kind of we live in the in-between where we think, well, I'm in control. That's not biblical. In control is over here and it's 100% sin. No matter what it is that controls you, idolatry. No matter what it is you think you need to get your day started. The fear of the Lord is a complete surrendering to God and being content with what he has given you. Lead well, always be in control. Never have a moment. I don't have this in the notes, but listen. Never have a moment of self-induced weakness. You have enough to worry about. Enough ailments that are going to beat you down. Enough health issues, enough relationship issues, enough work issues, enough church issues, people issues. You have enough going on in your life. Don't compound it by harming yourself. Be careful. Never have a moment of self-induced weakness. But she doesn't stop there. Verse six, give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Write this down. Have pity on dying people and don't be legalistic. The Bible does not say alcohol is a sin. It says drunkenness is a sin. So don't be legalistic over this. Even if in your life, it means zero alcohol. We need to be a people who call sin what it is and warn people, but we don't set up fences and boundaries where God has not set up fences and boundaries. Have pity on dying people. Um, By the way, there were no narcotics. There were no prescription drugs when this was written. If somebody was suffering and dying, think hospice on their deathbed, the Bible says give strong drink to them, wine to those in bitterness, so they can drink and forget what's happening. Remember their misery no more. Which means we don't need that today. There's a place for medication. There's a place for narcotics. Uh, There's a place for NyQuil, full disclosure. That is the strongest drink I take. Have you ever been tempted to take that when you didn't need that? Like, I need to sleep well tonight, chug. Um, But there's a proper use of alcohol. There's a proper use for that. Um, Morphine, I've had morphine. There's a proper use for that, for suffering and for pain. You're not there. You made it to church today. You don't need that. You're not dying right now. I mean, you are dying. We're all dying, right? The clock is ticking. Like, but you know what I'm saying? You're not on your deathbed that we know of, 
right now. Some of you look a little sleepier than others, but that's just me. So don't, let's not take it too far. And the fourth thing she says, just glance over this, verses eight and nine. Open your mouth for the mute. Speak up for the other people, for the rights of all who are destitute, for the needy. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. So her fourth big lesson is defend the poor and needy, which really means inconveniencing yourself for others. Sexuality is a big deal in our culture, right? Is alcohol a big deal in our culture? Is it a big problem in our culture? Yeah, I think that's pretty generally understood. So it needs to be something that you think about, that you pray about, and you make decisions with your family about, of how in the world you are going to live out the New Testament teachings that we're about to go to in a way that honors the Old Testament teachings of fear the Lord first in all things, and not be a person who is given to excess and drunkenness. I'm going to read some uh, scripture to you. You might just jot them down on the side. Um, the first one is Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Alcohol is not the focus of that verse, people. The focus of the verse is to be filled with the Spirit. Self-control is the fear of the Lord. And anything that controls you is an idol in your life. Galatians 5.19, uh, at the bottom of your notes, let's see there, yeah, that first little star is from Galatians 5.19, 519 through 21. Galatians 5.19 through 21 says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. We're about to get a list of sins. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. That's one category idolatry, witchcraft. There's another category. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. There's another category. Verse 21, drunkenness. Oh. Sexual immorality, drunkenness. They always come up in pairs like that. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Strong warning from the Apostle Paul to people who drank a lot. Romans 14, verses 17 through 21. This is the next star in the bottom of your notes. Romans 14, 17 through 21. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. I'm so glad he just came out and said that. The kingdom of God, it's not a matter of what you're eating or you're drinking. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of 
God for the sake of food. Hear me. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat, drink, anything that causes someone else to stumble. You are surrounded by people who stumble over alcohol. So be careful. Be careful. Verse 21 says, It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. That means you need to know your brother and sister and what makes them fall. And you need to tell your brothers and sisters what makes you fall. For this verse to work, we need to be a people who talk and pray together about our sins and our struggles. Otherwise, we can't avoid the things that bother you. You can't avoid the things that bother us. We're not bearing one another's burdens. We're not strengthening you when you're down. You're not strengthening us when we're down. See how that works? It's not an issue of just you and God. This is an issue of us and God. The last verse, verses I'm gonna read are from 1 Corinthians 10. You got the two stars here. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24. This could be your response to me at this sermon. I have the right to do anything. Yes, you say. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. I have freedom in Christ. But not everything is constructive or builds up. Verse 24, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. So the first one, not everything is beneficial or constructive. You are free in Christ to eat and drink everything. God made that very clear to the apostle Peter when he had a vision on a, on a rooftop. He was teaching him about people, but he was also practically teaching him about food. Don't call anything unclean that God has made, that God enables. But not everything is beneficial. Not everything is constructive. I mean, we know that medically too. We know that nutritionally, right? That's why we try to have a balanced diet. Maybe you're taking a multivitamin. Maybe you're exercising. You know, all those things working together, that's for your most benefit. That's gonna help you. But then put the last slide on there. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. That's one of those verses in the Bible that you might grow to hate. I'm out for my good all the time. I'm out for the good of my family. But the good of others? That's rough. It does not say that their eternal destiny is in your hands. It doesn't say that. You don't have the ultimate responsibility on their soul. It comes right down to it. Other people have a decision to make, whether you know or not, and you're, whether or not you're making them stumble or putting a stumbling block in front of them. They get to take the final step to stub their toe and actually stumble and fall and to choose to sin. That, so it's not all on you, but you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility and I like that it's put into the positive. It doesn't just say stop, 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 no, 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 no. 
It says, do good. Are you willing to make changes in your life that are for the good of others, for the good of your family, for the good of your neighbor? And that's, that's, a tall, that's a tall ask, but that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, didn't Jesus do that? Isn't that how he lived his life? Everything he did was for the fear of the Lord and the Father God, and therefore he was able to humble himself and do all the good for others that they needed. That's the model of Jesus. What are you hung up on? In a minute, we're gonna bow our heads and close our eyes, but I just want you to think about that with your eyes open for just a second. What? What's your addiction? Where are you an addict? Even if you may, you may not be doing it now, but you, it's there lurking under the surface, tempting you, calling you. You daydream about it. You daydream about how could I get away with that and nobody know? How could I pull that off and nobody? How? How? Where, where could I get the money for that? How can I make that happen? Like where, where in your life are you seriously flawed? You think nobody knows and nobody may ever know, but God knows. Jesus is for you. He died in your place on the cross to break the power of all sins in your life. You can turn to him and find freedom and release, but you need to do it not once. <laughs> not yesterday and not just today, but for the rest of your life. Living in the fear of the Lord gives you the strength that you need to fight against the world, your flesh, and the devil. So yield to him today. Stand with me and let's pray for that. Bow your head, close your eyes for just a moment. Where has God put his finger on your heart this morning? Is it something you do? Is it just something you think? Is it something you want? Is it hopes? Is it dreams? Is it alcohol? Is it tobacco? Is it an eating disorder? Are you just incredibly selfish with your time, with your money? Where does God want you to change? If you feel tense, if you feel guilty, if you feel broken, right now, picture yourself handing it over to God the Father. Picture yourself releasing your bitterness and anger. Picture yourself opening your arms in front of your Heavenly Father. He can't hug you the way you need it when you're holding on to your own life, when you're holding on to dreams that He's not dreaming for. Open yourself up to God right now. 
Release. Release your addiction again and again and again. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, but we are fearfully and terribly flawed. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross and the hope that no matter how much this body wants and craves sin, I will be delivered. It will end, and it's worth fighting. God, give us a spirit that fears you and loves you more than anything else on planet Earth and change us. With every head bowed and eye closed, I just want to encourage you, if you ever need to talk about something that is personal, private, if you ever need help because you feel like nobody else knows, uh, we want to be available to you. Find a quiet way. You can find us on Facebook. You can send messages through Messenger. You can leave notes in the offering plate. You can fold them. You can mail them in. You can get the address off the outside of the building. You can get it off our business card. You can find my email address. Nearly everybody in here has my cell phone number. You can find a way to get help. Don't blame God when the next step is yours. We will find you the help that you need. Don't suffer alone. God, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God from whom all Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Amen. You are dismissed.